Everybody, welcome back to Scaring is Sharing. It's the place where we share our scares. Hello, you little maniacs. And it is with great pleasure. <laughs> I am sitting here with Brandy Joe Planbeck, my co-host. Oh, and it is with utmost regard <laughs> that I am sitting here with my co-host, the original Sasquatch Slim, Jeremy Rusk. Hello. Hello. I don't know what I'm doing with that every time. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth when I intro the show, but here we go. Well, good, because you know what? I hate fucking really staged things. Like, we just watched Big Trick Energy on, I can't remember what station. It's the same station that does, like, Impractical Jokers and the Carbonaro Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I love those two shows. But Big Trick Energy is kind of a combination of Impractical Jokers and the Carbonaro Effect. It's like a magic show with, like, four friends. But, like, we just watched the first episode, and it all feels so staged and phony, yeah. Like everyone's just in on it, like, and it's scripted. Like, it's the worst thing ever. Uh huh. It's the worst. So, yeah. Don't watch it. I took don't it off the it. DVR. Well, the husband said, Do you want me to keep recording? And I said, No. <laughs> no. How was your week? Uh, not too bad. Good. Do you want to know that I have some amazing news? What's that? We got an email. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. <laughs> It has been a long time coming, I gotta say. So let's hop on that shit. Do it. The party train. The Vanga bus is coming. (laughs) That's the party train. Well, actually, I think the party train would just be like with an air horn and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All day long. All All day. day. So it is from. I'm going to call him Ethan D because I don't know if he wants his full name or their full name. I'm not going to assume, but okay. Ethan D uh-huh. and it reads the the subject is recommendations. Oh, and the email reads, Hey guys, love the show. I figured I'd recommend two movies. I think both of you will like the first is Lake Mungo. It recently has been added to shutter. If you guys haven't watched it yet, don't look anything up. It's the first movie in a long time that gave me the creeps. It took me about a month or so to get over it. The second one is an oddball that's on YouTube. It's called masked writer Shin. This was released in the 90s and is part of the Common Rider universe or Cayman. I'm not Cayman Rider, I think. I know the that's a Japanese okay. like action superhero show. It's a part of the Cayman Rider universe. The show is more kid-oriented, but this is for a more mature audience. I love mature audiences. Hope you guys enjoy and thank you for all the great shows. Love the format and the beginning banter. Oh, shout outs to Nick the Knife for getting me hooked. The end. Thank you, Ethan, and thank you, Nick the Knife. Thank you, Ethan. Thanks for listening. Ethan, I know, is a friend of Nick's, a friend of some of my friends, so... We love friends of friends. FOFs, we love friends I of call them. them. And now and now you're our friends. You're friend of the show now. So you're friend of the podcast, Ethan. So keep writing us. Yeah, keep um, writing and us. anybody, if you want to write scaring sharing at gmail.com, you too can be cool enough to have your letter read on the air. Woo! 
<laughs> so do you know either of those movies? I've heard the title Lake Mungo. Uh, and I feel like when it came out, I, like I just laughed because I think Lake Mungo is a funny name. But I remember when it came out, I feel like it was divisive. Like, I feel like there's people that like, this movie is terrible. And there are those that like, no, it's really good. So that's all I know about Lake Mungo. I'll keep my mouth shut. Okay. Because I feel like we probably should cover it at some point. And like you said, don't look anything up. So it's okay. better the blinder you go in. But Cool. And you've seen it. You've I've seen, seen it, it twice. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. One many moons ago and one recently. Uh, but that Cayman Rider movie, I remember, of course, being a, Japanophile? I don't know what the word is, but you know, I love my Japanese science fiction and monster movies. And I remember that Cayman Rider came out a few years ago. And like he was saying, it was a big deal because it was kind of like a reboot or reimagining where the original like concept of the franchise is like a dude becomes a superhero. It's sort of like the show. I feel like Cayman Rider is the original or Cayman Rider. I don't know how you say it, but I feel like it's the original show. And then the thing that like became Power Rangers in the United States was like based off of that. So it's about like a teenager that gets superpowers and has like a super suit, rides a motorcycle, fights monsters. Okay. But they did that movie like a few years back where they like rebooted it into like a horror movie. Like they leaned way more into the body horror. As I remember, like the superhero, his transformation into the writer is like done like a werewolf sort of trans, like it's Ah, painful and like they lean more into the idea of like he's got this alien thing that he's the host to and it's way more violent and they geared it towards adults. Kind of like there's another Japanese property that's been in anime and movies and stuff called The Giver. Uh, So if anyone out there remembers The Giver, that's kind of like where they were going with it. It's another Japanese like superhero thing where... Uh, it's really violent and <laughs> over the top. So uh, that's okay. what I know about that. And I know Shin, because, you know, there's you also that. taught me. Yes, God, I, Shin Godzilla. There's Shin Godzilla as well. Because using the Shin, I believe, is a, what's the word? Like, what do you, like a title, like Mr. or Mrs. or whatever in mm, English. Okay. Uh, Shin is used as a, a denomination that means like God or deity, something like that, I believe. Something, you know, that's bigger than human. Okay. When I just Google it, although who knows if I'm looking, I'm looking up Japanese and Shin. Yeah. And it means new or heart or true or extend. So. Yeah. <laughs> one of those things, perhaps. Yeah, I know it. I know they use it to for like holy, almost like a whole, like it's, it's big. It's bigger than just a regular person is like what they throw Shin on. Because I know they do it with a lot of like deities and stuff. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But thanks again, Ethan. We will have to check those out. I have seen Lake Mungo and just hold tight because I'm sure my opinions will someday be unleashed upon this podcast. Yes. As well as yours. Now, I have one other little thing. Nico sent me a text and I'm just going to read it. He said, reading a nonfiction book about the history of cadavers. And since you guys covered From Beyond, I thought maybe you'd be interested to hear the French philosopher Descartes was the one who thought our soul lived in the pineal gland. Mm -hmm. Never knew that myself. You knew that, though. I can just tell from the smug look on your face. I did. I read about that. That was uh, it's a really old concept that got like kind of sucked into occult like thinking was that like somewhere a third eye lives in our brain even though the pineal gland is believed i think it's just like vestigial for the most part or it doesn't really do anything important 
So the idea that like our soul, you know, this is all just made up that this is an idea that's now floated around and been absorbed by horror uh, is that, you know, we have this third eye living in an organ in our brain. So. Okay. Earlier this week, you and I chatted and you told me to remind you to bring up fire in the sky and aliens. Yeah. Okay. So I have a, uh, a rabbit hole I wanted to go down, which was, I think it all started because I saw the fourth kind is on Netflix now. Uh, okay. I heard it was you, horrible. It, it, I watched it a long time ago. I thought it was mediocre. Like, I didn't think it was necessarily bad. It had some cool ideas. Uh, I remember some of them spooky shit in there that I was like, okay, that's cool. That's like legit from alien abduction lore. Um, but I went down a rabbit hole and I was just going online and I was trying to find like, I feel like that's a a properly, like it's not been utilized properly very often is the alien abduction horror movie. Because I feel like that's a concept that's just ripe for amazing uh, horror because uh, you know the landmark is fire in the sky that's the movie that oh, did it yeah. best and nothing else uh and i'm surprised we haven't talked about it before because fire in the sky was like the scariest movie i had ever seen when i saw it like i think it scared me more than anything and i was like legitimately afraid of getting abducted by aliens as a kid because of yeah stuff like that and the literature because for some reason my mom thought it was like totally fine for me as like a grade schooler to discover the ufo stuff and like get all the books I could. And of course that quickly led into alien abduction stories. And then I'm like, this is horrifying, but I can't stop reading. Like these are incredible. And then I saw the movie fire in the sky on TV, like as a kid. And it was so scary. I saw it by myself in the movie theater in Billings, Montana at the mall. I can't remember what the mall was called, but we went to the mall and I really wanted to see it. So I went by myself. Mm -hmm. I can't remember anyone else being in the theater. I was probably like 14. I feel like it came out in like 93 or something, like the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that was scary as shit. But I was very into UFOs for a while. Like I tried to watch Communion, that yeah. Christopher Walken movie. And it was so motherfucking boring that yeah. I don't even know that I made it through it. Communion is one you'll see it sometimes in lists. Communion's divisive. It's got its fans. But the movie, I think, is like, it's silly. It's like a ridiculous B movie because by the time aliens show up, they're just weird rubber suited, you know, guys running around. So uh, read the book communion. If you want something, the book is pretty freaky uh, that uh, Whitley Stryber, I believe is his name was, you know, mm -hmm. he's like one of the most famous contactees, like you, you know, abduction people out there. And it's just his experiences with what he believes is he never says they're aliens himself, but they're from somewhere else. They're beyond us. But yeah, no, Fire in the Sky, the movie. And then I was going through uh, the lists. I was like, what are the best alien abduction movies? And there's really just a lot of stinkers other than Fire in the Sky. That movie is like perfect. Like it's the one that nailed the whole thing. Except for, and then I was reading up on, there was, it, it, the movie was called, was it Alien Abduction Incident at like Lake County? Have, did you ever hear about that movie? Mm -mm. It ran it was like made for tv it ran on upn or one of those networks in like the late 90s okay uh, and it was found footage it predates blair witch and it was presented as if it was just real like there were people missed the warnings and stuff wait it's not the one that's on shutter right now is it there's like the mccutcheon tapes the mcpherson tapes i'll get to that because uh, oh, okay. the one that ran on TV is a remake of that movie. Oh, okay. McPherson tape is the first version. And then those filmmakers like cut a TV deal and they got money to remake it with a slightly bigger budget. 
as okay. a t- as a TV movie. Uh, and I remembered seeing that as a kid. And again, like Fire in the Sky, like I thought it was real. It got presented as if it was real. Uh, I'm sure watching it now, you can see that the special effects are really corny. Uh, but back then you're like, holy shit, like this family actually got abducted. You know, sort of like Cannibal Holocaust, how people thought it was uh, the truth. I tried to watch the McPherson tapes last night, funny enough. Oh, did you? Man, I couldn't get through those first 10 minutes. It was rough. I never, I've never seen that. I've seen, like I said, the remake that was on TV, which seems to just have be hard to find. Like, I don't think it's ever been officially released other than being on television and on video. Yeah, it's. I think this is exactly what you said. The remake is Alien Abduction Incident at Lake County. That's it. Yeah, and that was so scary. Like that lived in my brain forever as like a real thing. But no, that was just the, that was just the aside. I don't know. Have you seen any other alien abduction? Like I feel like I've only seen a few. There aren't that many, and most of them suck. Yeah, so, I'm surprised there's not more. That's what I thought. I watched some of Taken, which I think was that sci-fi miniseries. Yeah. Because Heather Donahue was in it from the Blair Witch Project, speaking of, and Dakota Fanning. And I just remember watching a couple of episodes. I remember I was in Denver at the time. And I, yeah, I tried to watch that. It's 14 hours and 37 minutes, though. Okay. (laughs) It it went on and on and on. Oh, I'm forgetting uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I guess that's the other. Yeah, I think I've tried to watch it twice. and I fall asleep oh, i don't no. know why something about it just i mean it's not action-packed yeah it's not an action-packed movie the scene where the little boy is abducted though is like horrifying and there's something to do with like music right yeah that's that's how they communicate the aliens okay. is through which is again like a legitimate scientific idea is that like why would why would we assume life forms elsewhere would use the same kind of verbal speech we use they could do it through tones or God knows how many different sounds something could create for communication. So, did you watch Arrival? No, I haven't either. I'm intrigued by it, and I hear mainly good things. I love Contact. I know we've kind of talked about it before. Yeah, I loved Contact. Contact, I remember, is a movie that when it first came out, I was on the boat of like, this is underwhelming and not because spoilers, everybody, the ending when they're just like, I'm your dead dad, the aliens. That was kind of a disappointment instead of seeing an actual alien. Hmm. So, yeah, and Fire in the Sky, though, I mean, the reason it still stands up is because that when you finally get to see what happened to him on the ship, it is just so horrifying. Oh yeah. Oh my God. That rubber sheet like wraps around him and they stick all that stuff down his throat. And Mm -hmm. I think in his eyes too, I feel like they they stab like a thing in his eye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. All of it is just perfect. That in the beginning when he's first abducted, when they see the light in the sky and he goes out to get a closer look and then it's just like the yeah, like yeah yeah it uh, arches his back and yeah and they just drive away it, like that's all done so well and when i listen to like a podcast that you know there's so many out there so very many alien abduction podcasts but there are some uh good ones when you hear a story like retold that are uh, uh just give me goosebumps listening to it when they tell what happened there's a, actually an unsolved mysteries episode i remember too speaking of good alien abduction stuff that was a special that was all about alien abductions like an hour-long unsolved mystery special i remember from back in the day where there was a story of uh, a group of guys on a camping trip 
that say they were all abducted. And that one is actually pretty freaky when you listen to the story. Did you watch the new season? Oh, yeah. And there's that one really good episode that's all about alien, like the the town that all like experienced like the same things. Yeah, that one was freaky, that episode. Yeah. I liked it. And you did or didn't watch that movie that's on Amazon. I feel like you did and you liked it about the the town and the aliens, the vast of night. No, I didn't see it yet. Oh, okay. That was it. I need to watch it. Yeah. Because I'm very intrigued. I'm never going to sign it to you because I do not want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. But I am intrigued knowing what I know of you. I'm just, I don't know where you're going to fall. Well, yeah, that's why I got to see really. it. I got to see Did you it. watch the trailer for The Conjuring 3 this week? I didn't. I think it looks good. I, it doesn't look like the other ones. Like it looks like very different, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Like I... I just don't like sequels that just rehash the previous one, even when I really like it. Like, it doesn't mean I'm not going to watch it, but I just appreciate when you can move the story forward or take it in different places. So, yeah, I feel like it does that. I loved the first Conjuring. I never seen the second. I think the second one's good. Mm -hmm. There's lots about it that's really good. It's not as good as the first one. I don't know. Lately, I keep hearing people talking about how The Conjuring is like one of the all-time best scary movies. And I don't know that I'd ever rank it quite there. I don't think it's one of the best. It was good. There's some really good sequences. I guess the end is where it sort of fall like peters out for me because it just kind of feels like The Exorcist. Sure. Yeah, it does. I feel like, though, when it came out, part of what made it so good was there was like not that many good bigger budget like horror movies like that like that yeah know, felt like a true. it felt like a throwback to an, what people like like the time of the exorcist when they actually spent money on horror movies and gave them bigger budgets like there hadn't been one in a while like that also a little a couple bits of news i read yesterday that they have two tv shows and developments based on horror movies one is an american psycho television oh. show okay and one is a Saw television show, so of course, I'm I'm intrigued. I feel like the Saw show has been in development forever. Maybe, but they're talking about it again. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably gonna see how Spiral does. And oh sure, like that. Are you gonna see that? Uh, I'm not super interested because I like lost interest in Saw a long time ago. So, but maybe I think it has some new blood in it. I feel like it's gonna be different. if the reviews are good, that'll probably sway me. I'm already been making plans with a buddy of mine to go see it in the theater. Oh, cool. We're, we both just got our second shots and I'm just ready as I've talked about to get back to the theater. I'm going to mm-hmm. go see any scary movie that's there that in the earth movie that's out. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I know it's something with the earth and just see it. Scary things. I'm just going to go. I, uh, I will get my second shot tomorrow. So nice. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I mm-hmm. hope it's, I hope it's good for you. I, I hope, hope it's so. as good for you as it was for me. Yeah. You didn't have too many issues. No, I was just real tired, but okay. I've heard some horror stories. Some people like get real sick. So feeling yeah. from it. So I'm like, yeah. I'm wondering what'll happen. Like the rumor is that if you've had COVID before, it's your effects are much greater. And some people may, I mean, that's a thing. Like if you don't take one of those antibody tests, you don't know if you have, mm-hmm. if you did ever have it. Cause some people had such a little, expo- you know, uh, um, symptoms, side effects, symptoms and things. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Everyone's who just knows? so different, but that's it. But yeah, I mean, I'm just, 
I'm ready to get back to the theater. I'm ready to like be back into like doing theater. I'm just ready to be in a, a room with people and the energy and the vibe that comes with it. I'm ready to do this show where we're actually in the same room. Yeah, that would be oh nice. Oh my God, that would be so different. Good. I'm sure, I wonder how that will change the energy and dynamic. Oh my God, I have no idea. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Um, <laughs> trying to think what else i did want to point out uh that we had just you know the last episode is out and from the responses on facebook i'm glad to see that there are other fans of crimson peak out there uh, and i'm not one man alone so thank you crimson peak army yeah yeah for stepping up and uh making your voices heard i mean i'm glad people liked the movie that i gave to you as well but yes everyone was super jazzed about crimson peak and i'm just like yeah you no. had to break a few hearts apparently <laughs> i did I, I talked to a few people about it and some people really liked it and some people were kind of like me and like just a little underwhelmed so mm -hmm. but i think the majority of folks just find it a gothic masterpiece. But that's part of the fun of the show, too. We're just never going to always be on the same page. And that's okay. Yeah. That's I did okay. watch a scary movie last night called The Awakening with Rebecca Hall and mm -hmm. Imelda Staunton. I love Imelda Staunton. She's so good. And um, it's sort of like in the same vein of The Others and The Orphanage. Have you seen mm -hmm. The Orphanage? Long time ago. I didn't oh, okay. enjoy it. That's all I remember no? about it. No, I didn't like it. Uh, That's God, all I remember I about it. I thought it was, I don't know. It just didn't do anything for me. So I was like, meh. It's very much to me like Pan's Labyrinth, like a little bit scary, but ultimately like just incredibly heartbreaking. Like I just tore my heart out. It was produced by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro so yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the main thing I remember about it. And just that creepy kid with the bag over his head. He was so scary. But this movie takes place at like a boys school and Rebecca Hall's like, uh, she debunks, you know, supernatural things. It's like back in like the 1920s. Mm -hmm. And she goes to this boys school where this like ghost has been seen and, you know, things happen. Cool. Hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. It was fine. It sort of had some ups and downs, but... Overall, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like amazing. I'm never going to recommend it to you, but mm -hmm. but it was fun. And I just, I do like that. Rebecca Hall, she's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you watch anything? Uh, I got a couple of things. First, I'll get out of the way that this morning, Sarah and I watched uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, you did? Had she ever seen it before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, she 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 has a soft spot for you know like the screams and those the movies that were like as we were like preteens and teenagers a big okay. deal. So, uh, but we watched it. It's it's fun. I haven't seen it since I was like a teenager, uh, and yeah, it was fun. It's not good. It's not like a great no. movie. It doesn't. It's not fun like Scream. No, it's not fun like Scream. Scream's a good movie. Uh, I know yeah. what you did last summer is fun in that it's ridiculous and has like yeah. Some silly stuff that, but it holds up generally. I mean, it's just a giant cliche of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, everything you could think of of a murder mystery. Like, it's like Agatha Christie mixed with, you know, uh, a slasher movie. It's just all of the cliches. But I think it's still fun because it's well made and it's like a weird time capsule of all these. 
I hate to use the phrase, but now faded stars that <laughs> were huge in the nineties as young people. Oh um, yeah. So it's just amazing. Yeah. The the one who's still most relevant is Johnny Galecki, which yeah. <laughs> is, is the oddest part about it all. And, and back then that was kind of like, he had been reduced to just doing character parts like that. Yeah. Like he, he was on the, the downswing and then he was back on the upswing later and the rest of them went the other direction. So the, the Helen Shivers chase scene is the best, though. Yeah, in that whole movie. Oh yeah, so it's, good. Yep, yep. Uh, that and when uh, Sarah Michelle Geller wakes up in bed and her hair's been cut, yeah, and she sees the good. note on the mirror. She just punches the mirror, like, <laughs> and you know that, like, what are you waiting for? Do you know, like, the the rumor? I mean, I think Jennifer Love Hewitt has said this, but I've never been able to get all the details that like a kid directed that scene. Oh, really? Like some kid like won a contest and like. <laughs> could direct or write that scene i can't remember uh -huh. which it was that's um, awesome and and that and like and it's like the scene that everyone remembers from it and it's like also like the worst scene ever yeah I, so i mean at the end of the day revisiting it i was just we had fun with it i think people if you haven't seen i know what you did last summer in a while it's on hbo max right now so check it out it's uh it's still fun but the other thing i watched i wanted to talk about was sasquatch on hulu Oh, I want to see it. Don't give me spoilers. Oh, no, I, I want to tell you, though, I thought it was so good. And I you watched seeing, all three of them. I watched all three, tore through them because uh, it's very watchable. I mean, it's three episodes that are all like under an hour long, so it's easy to rip through. And it makes you it hooks you uh, if, if you're into that sort of thing. But uh, I, I saw a lot of people on the Internet. There's like a lot of people giving it bad reviews, but I think it's because they're like, I will tell you this much Sasquatch is more of like a theme. You know, mm -hmm. this isn't this isn't some movie that went out and solved the mystery of Sasquatch. Like don't expect yeah. that. Sasquatch is a motif. I mean, knowing what it's about, that makes sense. Yeah, it's a really dark true crime story. Nice. Uh, and it, and it really lives in the it's more the tension. Like it just really makes you feel uneasy watching this thing and kind of getting a glimpse into this whole other world. Okay. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think I think I think you'd enjoy it. it. It's it's dark. That's what I and I like that. It's like a true crime with a little bit of monster thrown in there and yeah. like a little bit of legend, like the power of legends and cool. So fuck yeah, I was fascinated. I was hooked. I loved it. Awesome. I'm so excited. And also in regards to I know what you did last summer. I'm excited for the TV series that's in the works. I think it's on Amazon. Yeah, I saw a thing like I looked up online. I was like, oh, they're making another one. Oh, it's the TV show that they're talking about. So and I've always wanted to read the book because I know that Lois Duncan, I think, is the author. If I'm mm -hmm. saying it right, I think it's Lois and not Lewis. I think it's L-O-I-S. But I know she was pretty pissed about the movie. I mean, I'm sure she appreciated the money that she got. But like, it is nothing like like, I don't think there's any killing. No, I yeah. And, and the book is like radically different from what I understand. The twists are totally different. I think it's like just notes are ha like, I think they do kill somebody or they think they do. I think that person like actually lived. And then I think that they're just getting these notes, but I want to read it just to see how drastically different. different it is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's it for me. The only other thing I have is I finished in search of darkness too finally last night. And mm -hmm. it was, it was a lot of fun. Again, they talked about maniac cop and I thought of you. Mm -hmm. Did I, I think, I feel like they said that the same person who directed maniac directed maniac cop. Is that correct? correct? Yeah. Bill that's Lustig. So weird. Bill Lustig, I think is one of the, I mean, horror fans know who he is and love his stuff. 
but I feel like he's kind of under the radar. Like he needs more acclaim for like doing some cool shit. And they talked about Maniac Cop 2 and both. Who are the two people that are in it? Um, the guy from Halloween 3. Mm-hmm. Tom Atkins was in the first Atkins. one. Bruce then, Campbell appears in and one and two. Bruce Campbell, yeah. And they talk yep. about how they both get killed off like super early in like, their respective yep. movies. <laughs> I know. I wanted to give you those two, Maniac Cop and Maniac Cop 2. because They, they look fun. Maniac Cop 2 is fucking awesome, but you have to see the first one, you know, to know what's going on in the second one. But the second one is like, it's like a situation of Terminator versus Terminator 2 or Alien and Aliens where the sequel is like, it's a sequel to the first one, but it's bigger and crazier than the first one was. So that's- Love uh, that. Yeah, Maniac Cop 2 is, woo, it's fun. The 80s were all about that with like Evil Dead 2. Yeah, just about ra- like, take what we did the first time and ratchet it up to the nth degree the next time. Fuck so yeah. Yeah. I love that. Those are fun. So those might pop up at some point for you. Okay. Well, they talked about Poltergeist 3 and in it, they showed a clip of like Evil Carol Ann because like there's, it's all about mirrors, the third one. There's yeah. Lots of mirrors. And I remember the Reverend like coming out of the mirror or like she goes oh, yeah. into a mirror and then she's in like Winter Wonderland for some reason. Yes. There's so much snow, so many mirrors for days. Mm. And then they talk about how like that was the major difficulty in filming is like filming with mirrors is such a pain in the ass and mm-hmm. it was like all mirrors all the time mm-hmm. but in it like evil carolan grabbed normal carolan and said we're here so they did incorporate yeah. the tagline that we talked about last episode they just didn't have it on like the posters and stuff like that but sure i'm sure they used it in the commercials and things all right yeah well shall we share our scares with one another yeah let's get into it i guess i'm first this time i guess you are and I warned you, I was looking at the list and I just felt like, you know what, let's go in a more punishing direction. <laughs> but I was looking at, you know, the weirder things I have on my list and I'm like, yeah, but you know, they're just, he's, he's, he'll be prepared for any of the weirder shit I try and throw at you, I think. So instead of, I'm going to zig when you thought I was going to zag, if you will. Uh, and we are going to go way back. Getting the Wayback Machine to 1922. Uh, and we're doing Nosferatu. Oh. Uh, the original. The OG Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. I wanted to really step outside of directions we've been. I know I give you old movies, but I'm like, let's go real old this time. Yeah, the oldest. Almost 100 years old. The eldest of the movies you've given me. Yes. I know it's essentially like a Dracula story. So I imagine a castle, some people show up, the scary monster guy is there creeping around, bites some people. There's no talking, just organs. <laughs> and um, they kill him in the end, and it's going to end abruptly, as these older movies tend to do. I bet it's going to be like under an hour. I bet it's going to be short. So I imagine there's like a female lead a male lead in the monster. And I just don't know that he turns into a bat and stuff. I think he just has like those long fangs and sort of in my mind, like a hunchback. I just see him like walking up and down the stairs and shadows of him. So that's what I got. I don't think there's anything in there too terribly interesting or not that it won't be interesting, but outside of the realm of what I know, mm-hmm. but I think it'll be unique to see how a vampire story is sort of before 
like the Bella Lugosi and things like yeah. that happen. So okay. I'm excited. Yeah. I, I'm, this is definitely a like history lesson for you, I feel. So here you go. Horror history. I love it. I am going to give you from a 2020, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Cool. Because I like to give you movies that I think you'll like. I know, and I, I like to give you movies that I feel like you'll suffer getting through. <laughs> uh, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, I heard a lot of rave things about. I tried to, uh, There's there was like a horror podcast I used to listen to. I'll be honest, since we started making a podcast, it's weird how I'm like, I don't really listen to podcasts regularly anymore uh, other than working on our own. But there was a horror podcast I used to follow where they, they talked about Wolf of Snow Hollow. They gave it rave reviews. They, thank God, they didn't give too much away about the plot. They just said, you know, check it out. I know that it is sort of comedic. The guy that made it, I know, is kind of like an indie darling right now. I can't, his other movies are escaping me or what else he may have done. But I think he's like the lead, but also wrote and directed it, uh, if it's the guy I'm thinking of. But I know it's like at a winter resort. uh, And I did watch a trailer for it. But it's at like a winter resort there's some killings going on that like might be a werewolf or maybe it's not. Um, and it's just this cop trying to solve what's going on. But I think hilarity ensues because from what I recall, I think it has a comedic tone or at least some jokes in there. Uh, and I bet there's going to be a twist. It's not a werewolf at all. It's going to be like a murderer or something. I think it's going to be a movie that presents itself like it's a horror movie, but really it's more mundane. That's what I think. So okay. that's it. I'm excited to watch it. Well, I'm excited to rewatch it. Cool. Well, sweet. Well, we'll be back in just a moment to talk about them. I know. And we got vampires and werewolves, I think. So it's yeah, like, we do. Or at least Two of the... your favorite things. I know, right? Cool. Classics. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> We have returned. We're back. Oh, that's awesome. My friend Russell Boyle, I bought this print from him forever ago, but it's Diane Freeling from Poltergeist, and it's called Don't Touch My Babies. Oh, my God. That's so fun. You got to throw that on the Instagram. I'm gonna. I just got it framed today. I've had it forever i have so much horror artwork that's gonna go up in my bedroom but i feel like if i try to put it up it would be a nightmare so my very stylish designer friend vince is gonna come help put it up and then i'm gonna give you a tour because there are giant screen posters freddie jason michael there's everything it's gonna be a horror museum that's awesome i um that's what I need. I need a dedicated room of horror stuff. A horror haven. Yeah, like all of our stuff right now is in our, or all my stuff is in the guest bedroom. Uh, but that's just the guest bedroom. It's not really set up, you know. In the future, I imagine a lair that's just filled with my random collectibles and artwork, and I can set up and podcast from there. So the that's baby's the room. Yeah, exactly. That's the dream. <laughs> well, let's get into these movies. All right. We got uh, some vampires and some werewolves. Yeah, going going with the classics this this week. So 
Uh, let's get going with the one and only Nosferatu. Is it though? Um, yeah, Isn't it's the OG. One from the 70s? Well, okay, not the one and only, but the OG Nosferatu. The totes OG. The granddaddy of really all vampire movies. So in German, also known as Nosferatu, Eine Symphonie des Grauens, which is a symphony of horrors. And the letterboxed summary is vampire Count Orlock is interested in a new residence and in his real estate agent's young wife, F.W. Murnau's unauthorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. It was very confusing. I first just like spoke into my remote, you know, and I said, Nosferatu. And it was like, it's on Amazon Prime. And I was like, oh, delightful. So mm. I'm watching it for a while and I'm like, well, this is so weird. Why do they call it Nosferatu? Because it was like Renfield and Lucy and like all this. And then I looked something up on IMDb and those were not the names that these people mm -hmm. were playing. And then also like the print was weird and things were getting cut off. So I finally was like, I, I should have looked on YouTube. So like I look it up on YouTube and there's like a hundred versions on there, including this Blu-ray one. So I start mm -hmm. watching it and all the names are different. <laughs> yes. So I was like, that's so weird and annoying that the one I watched probably 20 minutes of was trying to Draculaize it. Yeah. So originally, of course, this this is an adaptation of Dracula. Uh, but when they made it, they didn't secure the rights. They had rights back in 1922, like similarly. Yeah. Uh, Bram Stoker's sister. I don't know. Somebody from his estate owned it. Okay. Uh, okay. The novel, and they did, she didn't sign off on it. And they, the story was they tried to skirt around that by changing the names, except mm. that I read somewhere that that's a misconception because they're like original film prints of it said based on Bram Stoker's Dracula. So they weren't hiding that. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they're pissed about it. They're like, we wanted the rights too. They yeah, didn't we, us. we wanted to make Dracula. <laughs> So, no, they acknowledged it. It was known that it was based on Dracula. The changing of the names is believed that they were trying to localize it and make it more German sounding. So okay. they changed everything to German names. Um, uh -huh. And I, I buy that a little more. But yeah, Orlock, Count Orlock is just Dracula. Sure. And, you know, Nock is Redfield. Hutter is uh, Jonathan Harker uh, and so forth. So I really liked it. The monster, oh, even though you have seen like even though i've never seen this movie i know what nosferatu looks like you know mm -hmm. you can't not know it's iconic iconic like him going up the stairs and him rising up out of the coffin are like the two most prominent scenes from this film i would say mm -hmm. and in horror history truly especially that shadow of him yes so creepy i also thought that the nina character is that the main gal yeah or I think here her name is like Ellen or Eileen. Well, well it's apparent she's kind of a combination of Mina and Lucy. Okay. From the okay. original story. So she's kind of a combo of both those characters. She was also particularly fucking creepy. Like her <laughs> stares and the things she'd do with like her hands, like reaching out was just so eerie. Yeah. It's uh it's crazy to me that this movie 
Well, pun intended, it casts such a long shadow over uh, not only vampire movies and adaptations of Dracula, but like horror. Because this movie's still constructed in a way that you would make a monster movie nowadays. Like the plot really doesn't change that much, you know? It's pretty basic, but you have a monster and it comes and it starts killing people. And it's very uh, understandable even to a modern audience a hundred years later. So I have some questions about the plot. So in the mm -hmm. beginning, the Hutter character. Yeah. Right. That's his name. Mm -hmm. the, our sort of our hero goes and he talks to Renfield. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to call them these names. Knock, I think was his name. Yeah. Knock and, Knock. Yeah. He goes and he talks to him. But then all of a sudden, the next time we see him, he's like in an insane asylum or like a jail. And I yeah. didn't know how the fuck that happened. What did like, I miss? The flow of it. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think you really like missed anything in the film per se. Uh, but the idea and having some knowledge of him being based on Dracula or uh, Renfield from the original Dracula story. So the, the idea is that he was always a minion of the vampire. Mm -hmm. Like part of him sending Hutter out there uh, was to help arrange the vampire to be able to travel mm -hmm. uh, to the village. But the reason he ends up in the asylum is because as the vampire approaches closer, his mental state deteriorates because these, you know, the evil that influences him becomes so close that it amps up his own evil and craziness. So how did Hutter going to the castle help bring him there? Because he left without him. He just hopped in one of his little caskets and the crew of caskets just took off on a boat yeah well he was really hutter needed to go there to uh seal that uh real estate deal with him and uh but you said something about the knock character sending him out there to bring the count back yeah that's that's a little like weird or rather like make the arrangements i think he goes to like here's you know now you own this property and here's where it is and he's oh, like, right because okay. he was gonna go across from them like he's like i'm gonna move into the house across from you or whatever yeah yeah oh, okay and he just he just leaves him behind because he doesn't need him and he was feeding on him too the idea is that he was gonna he was just gonna leave him for dead at the castle and Okay, that was my other question because he talks about like, oh, these mosquitoes are so bad here. Two of them bit, and I was like, it seemed like it happened in the moment that he got bit by the mosquitoes. But I also was thinking, I feel like if he would have woke up and be like, oh, I got bit by mosquitoes in the night, but it seemed mm -hmm. more like, oh, they're biting me right now, and I got two on my neck. But that was supposed to be like he's been feeding on him during the night. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. So he was getting him. But then he was ultimately like, okay, bye. <laughs> and yeah. the count just like took off, hopped in one of his caskets and just like, I love that the boat was like, and no one had any idea what was going on. And there was just a bunch of caskets on the boat. It was. Yep. And then he killed on everybody. The raft. And then he. Yep. Okay. So another question, the whole plague storyline. Yeah. Is that in the original book at all or is that uh, no it's own that's, thing of nosferatu that's an invention of this movie um it was an idea i guess fw murnau uh friedrich wilhelm murnau the director he decided to go a route because later movies would do this and even the original source material dracula is kind of romanticized like vampires are more in literature this romantic figure uh and he wanted to lean in to the the evil uh, and the idea of them as bringers of death and destruction 
So hence the rat-like features of Nosferatu instead of looking like a refined ah, gentleman ah, ah. and the the use of rats as their plague bringers. And then he put in the plot line, wherever the vampire goes, mysterious illness and death follows. So, so he was sort of a parallel or like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Allegory. Allegory for the plague, even though yeah. it's like literally the plague, but like, because people back in these days were very well versed in the plagues. Yeah, for disease. I mean, before the twenties, the twenties, but but yes. it was closer to them than it. Well, I was gonna say that it was to us than it is to us, but right at this moment. <laughs> yeah, sure. We're well versed in the plague. I mean, this is nineteen twenty-two. This movie's made, so it's you know after just after the Spanish flu epidemic. So okay, okay. You're better or pan or I should say pandemic, which happened, you know, right after World War One, there was the uh, influenza pandemic. So, uh, yeah, I think it was pretty fresh in people's minds, <laughs> disease mm-hmm. and uh, destruction that that can bring. So in this version, also, it's more like like the rats are what in later iterations of Dracula would become the bats. Yeah, I think so. I was totally remembering as well Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. where clearly that's influence an influence from this movie because there's a scene where Dracula transforms into a pack of rats and then like mm. escapes. Uh, and it's like, oh, that's got to be a reference to this movie because they use the rat motif so much. So I was when because I watched Dracula at like the beginning of the pandemic, like uh, just mm-hmm. a little over a year ago for the first time that the um, Bella Lugosi. Right. And I was surprised because the only other iteration I'd seen in entirety was Bram Stoker's Dracula when it came mm-hmm. out in the theaters. The one and only time I saw it, I thought oh, it was wow. a little boring. But like, that's like a straight up period piece, like long ago, Mm -hmm. like horse and carriage sort of thing. Time. Yes. Yeah. For lack of a better term, because I'm not very smart about history. Yeah. In Bela Lugosi's Dracula, it was like contemporary-ish. Like, were there like cars? Yeah, there were, I think. It's just, I was surprised by that because I didn't, I thought that like all of the main stories of it were... Long, long ago. No, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like Bram Stoker's Dracula, like in this, you know, big wigs and oh, sure, moles painted on and things like that. That's sort yeah. of, I don't know what that is, Renaissance or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting. All of these iterations do take sort of their own thing. I just, I guess, I really appreciate that Nosferatu is so different than the traditional Dracula tale. And I'm, I'm glad to have some of the history. I knew you would know, cause that's just mm-hmm. how you are, but it's, it's extremely interesting in that way. And it's also a little surprising that the only other main influence based on look of Dracula of, of Orlock is Salem's lot. Yeah. It's like a very distinct homage to this iteration of Dracula. Yeah, yeah, that's really it. I bet you there's something else a little more obscure we're probably not even thinking of that borrowed from it. It's so much creepier than the I want to suck your blood. Yeah, it's so, like, it's still scary. I still watch this movie, and even though this, I I wouldn't say this movie is, like, scary, scary, but it is haunting Mm -hmm. to watch something this old that is 100 years old, and it's, it's a miracle it's even around still that for us to, enjoy uh and to see 
the act the actor of course was Max Shrek that played uh Orlock and to see him just so freaky looking he, those scenes anytime he's on screen it's still very haunting uh and I can only imagine what people thought when this first came out like they must oh have my been God. F- freaked the hell out yeah cuz now that image is ingrained in your brain if you even if you haven't seen a lot of horror movies you probably like have that image of what he looks like but tell me a little bit more about him because i want to watch shadow of the vampire but isn't it about how method he was yeah i have that one locked away for future now that you've seen this it's gonna yeah so you know you have this movie well then there was there is the remake of this yeah i want to ask about that from the 70s the 70s with Werner herzog which uh i've never i've never actually seen the whole thing i've only seen clips of it so that's one i really need to revisit where klaus kinski played the vampire and that one is kind of a remake of this movie but like really because they call him dracula in that movie like they leaned back into like making it straight up an adaptation of dracula um and and then shadow of the vampire is a pseudo remake sort of a like dramatization of the behind the scenes of how this movie was made but yeah max shrek um he was a German actor of stage and silent film from the, you know, end of the 19th century into the early 20th century. Um, I really don't know a lot about any other movies he made, like other than this. I think he had a lot of films that are now lost films because they're just so old. They've, you know, no, no copies exist anymore of a lot of his work. And I guess he was pretty like deep in character making this movie. Uh, so the stories go to the point where that's the birth of these urban legends that he actually was a vampire. And, and there's, yeah, there's just a lot of creepy occult stuff tied in there. But he was, an, I guess, an intensely private person as well. So there's not a lot of existing material about his personal life or personal details. Uh, to the point where for a long time, there were scholars that thought he wasn't even a real person. They thought he was actually like an assumed name of a different actor. <laughs> But okay. uh, no, there was an actual Max Shrek. But yeah, he was very, uh, he had an air of mystery about him. There's not a lot out there. In some shots, he looks like Margaret Hamilton in Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like yeah. his nose more than anything. Or her nose, I should say. It seems to be somewhat of an homage to Nosferatu. And I wonder if that actually is a uh, influence since that would have come like not that long after this movie, really, like the next decade. So mm-hmm. I wonder if the makeup was like, we got to be creepy like that was. I think the funniest part was like they made such a point of how far out it was and how people wouldn't go out there. And then our lead hero writes a letter, steps outside and there's a mailman <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, riding by on his horse. He's like, oh, hey. Uh, I was looking for one of you. Can you take this letter for me? <laughs> that was the absolute most random thing ever. Yeah, there's. I also love the uh, like the fat the stop animation of when he's like loading the coffins really good, <laughs> yes, and then he just yes. climbs in it and like whoop, 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 and closes and rides <laughs> yes. off. And you're like, it's so uh, quirky uh, and strange. But I'm sure, like at the time, people were like, "What was that?" So the first version I was watching had like really bad organs, which also as I was watching it, aside from the weird name thing, I was kind of like, there's got to be a version with better music. And the one mm-hmm. I ended up watching the like Blu-ray edition that's on YouTube had like more of an orchestra mm-hmm. and it was so much better. Yes. But it got me thinking, 
A, have you seen this in a theater? And B, have you seen it with like a live organ? No, and I would really love to. I know it's one that plays a... It's very common for things like, uh, like I think the Redford Theater, yeah. uh, who do a lot of silent films and they have that old pipe organ there. I'm pretty sure they've screened this before with the live organ accompaniment. So I would yeah, love to see that. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah, because the check Redford that out. Theater, if for some reason you're listening and you don't live in Michigan, it's not very far from where we are, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And they also filmed that beginning scene of It Follows there, where they're mm-hmm. at the movie theater. It's a gorgeous theater. They have a live organ for many different things. And it's, I've never actually, I've seen a play there. Joe directed Angels in America, they did it there. It was a very cool experience, but I'm like, I need to come back here for movies. So me too. Yeah, I've thought that many times where I like, I don't know why I've just missed missed out on a lot of movies they've had there. Yeah, but you know what? They'll be back and we'll go. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll have a field trip. Yeah, I also liked how Eileen, Lucy, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how she like walked on her tippy toes. It was also very creepy. Yeah. There, there's just a lot of, I love silent film acting too, to watch these movies where like they hold up a piece of paper and the guy looks at it and they're just like really exaggeratedly nodding their heads and like pointing at it. And it's like, look at this paper. Oh, thanks for showing that to me. Like you can tell that's what's going on right there. Uh, and then you wait for that title card to tell you what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And essentially she's, is this the birth of the virgin sacrifice? Because I, I feel... Want- I wonder, like, it's got to be damn close as far as we know. Because that's what it. it feels like. They're like, he says, there's some line about how only the purest of blood can stop what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he like bites her and then steps into the sun and he dies, right? And then the plague mm-hmm. is over. Yeah. Sort of a lackluster ending. Just in oh, surely. To, like, they don't track him down and there's no stake through the heart. He just sort of... Steps into the sun, although even though I'm sure it's, you know, because they were filming it long, long ago, they're like, it's midnight. And yet the sun is fully out. Like, I was like, you've been in the sun a lot, according to what I've seen in front of my face. So Uh this shouldn't be unusual that you're now in the sun and all of a sudden it's going to kill you. But I, you know, I gave it some 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 leeway leeway because it's almost 100 years old. I, uh, I also have a vampire fact for you. This movie is the birth of the idea that sunlight kills vampires. Oh, uh, yeah. That is a thing that was not from any lore, not from any actual folklore. It was invented by this movie. And now it's just kind of become accepted as part of vampire canon. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Do you know if there ever was like a book written Nosferatu that took this and novelized it? A novelization, if you will? That I don't know. I bet you there's some, there's gotta be something. I think there's like a comic book version, at least a couple that have been out there, but I bet you there's a novel, but I don't know for sure. I feel like there's like an opera or something like that. But it's also, uh, I was reading the whole thing too about, uh, they got sued by Bram Stoker's estate after they made this movie. And oh yeah. Part, part of the settlement was that they were to destroy all the copies. Uh, and so the film studio went ahead and destroyed all the film reels they had of this, except a few survived out there in like secondary markets and with private collectors. And that's why we know of this movie today because it came from people preserving it that held on to film reels. Good for them. Yeah. And it's 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 fascinating too to think like back in the day they just 
movies was such a new technology motion picture that they just they didn't care about saving their work or protecting it and now you know 100 years later we're like this is like a holy grail to have this thing still exist interesting it is an opera it's a three-act opera that's probably my biggest issue if you will with this is i thought it was going to be short because it was a silent film and i thought yeah. most silent films were short but it is no. like an hour and 25 minutes yeah it's that that whole like the short thing i think happened more in the 30s and the four because silent films motion pictures were still so new that it was still kind of the wild west so there are like silent films that are like over three hours long like they were wow. doing epics so it was a lot more all over the place, like how long a movie might be. Uh, and then you started to see that like regimenting where the industry really took hold and was like, nope, people are only going to sit there for like an hour. That's all we're going to make this movie be. We also want people are going to come and see like two movies in a row. So we got to make both of them shorter. So they're not there mm -hmm. all night. So that's kind of yeah. where you see that change happen is in later decades. Okay. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought it was really cool. I've liked it more even as we're talking about it because I knew I didn't know any of the history and I knew you would give me a lesson. So sure. Yeah, it's and it's hard to fascinating. This movie, we could probably do a series. Like if we did some serious research, we could go on for like a mini series just talking about this one movie. Cause you know, it's part of the German expressionism movement in the late 19 teens and 20s, which was a whole super influential film movement in Germany. Um, so it's uh and it's the og dracula like re-watching it again i'm like yeah like all other draculas after this movie are kind of a remake of this movie like even the uh bella lugosi the universal one feels more like a remake of this movie than it is even an adaptation of the source material so pretty cool mm -hmm. yeah i uh i dig it well thank you for the share oh i'm glad you enjoyed it and allegedly uh Mr. Robert Eggers is supposed to make a remake of this. Right. I forgot. I for, now that rings a bell. The, for those of you who don't know, he directed The Witch and The Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was supposed to be the follow up to The Witch initially. It was. And then he decided to make The Lighthouse. And then he's like, and now I'm going to do Nosferatu. And now instead he did something else. There's another movie that's coming out instead. So this keeps getting pushed back. But one day he's supposed to remake Nosferatu. Did you love The Lighthouse? I absolutely adored The Lighthouse. So did my husband, which really shocked me. I was oh. like, it was fine. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I, the first time I watched it, I thought, what the fuck is this? And that was a movie, I, I love it. I went to see it alone. Of course, this was pre-Plague Times. And you could actually go to the movies, but uh, Sarah was busy with something. And I was like, she's not going to see this movie anyway. So I have to see it on my own. So I went alone and it was me in the theater with like several other couples who were clearly on like dates. And I'm like, wow. this is not a date movie because I watched all of them get up and be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I was like, I thought it was great. But you guys messed up taking your date to this movie. And do you like The Witch? I love The Witch as well. I do too. So good. So I'm a fan of Robert Eggers. Keep him coming. If he can do something yeah. as cool as those movies with Nosferatu, which I bet he will, uh, it should uh, be good. Yeah, I hope that will be awesome. Bring it. So um, I think your synopsis was about right. I mean, you just said it's a vampire story, right? Yep. I said, I mean, most things. My, my biggest thing that I was wrong is I said that, um, that they're going to kill him. 
and they don't. But yeah, I did just... say I don't think he's going to turn into a bat. And yeah, everything else was prim- no talking. I got that right on. So, yeah, you got it, man. <laughs> so out of five plague rats, uh, how many do you give this? I give it four. Excellent. I uh, I would feel like I couldn't live with myself if I didn't give this a five. Uh, just as the film nerd I am and for the history and the place in film history this movie has, five. I knew you were going to give it a five because I accidentally saw it on your letterbox. And I was uh, like, you yeah, better yeah. give it a five because that's what he gave it before. Yeah, I got to give it a five as the little fo- film nerd I am. So that's a scare of approval. So if you've never seen this, people, seek it out. Yes, do it. And if you're like, I don't want to watch a silent film, get over yourself. Because yeah, just go yeah. to YouTube. Give yourself a little bit of culture, or go to our link tree. Go to our link tree and go to our movies folder. It's in there. Yeah. Yeah, this but is a piece simply on YouTube. This is a piece of art, people. That's so right. Get into it. All right. Well, let's stay with some fangs, but add some mm. fur. Oh yeah. Four. The Wolf of Snow Hollow, and the tagline is very simply. Welcome to Snow Hollow. (laughs) And the summary is a stressed out police officer struggles not to give in to the paranoia that grips his small mountain town as bodies turn up after each full moon. Moon. This was fun in a melancholy kind of way. (laughs) As I watched this movie, that's what struck me. I was like, man, this has got a deep just feeling of like, melancholy sadness like running through it which i liked i enjoyed that in a movie yeah you know this as this movie got going i'm like this is just jaws with a werewolf in a mountain town instead of a beach resort uh you know the overworked cops trying to figure out what's going on people turning up dead you know and that formula works so don't fix what ain't broke i like it i was pleasantly surprised by the twist whereas the movie started i'm like okay it's just a murder story couldn't possibly be an actual werewolf. I didn't think they were going to go that direction. Then all of a sudden, like 20 minutes into the movie, they show you a fucking werewolf attacking I somebody. I love his look. It's like he's so big and you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and it's straight out of Silver Bullet or oh, you know, God, or The Howling, one of those great 80s werewolf movies. So I was like, oh, shit, this is a werewolf movie. Holy crap. Yeah, let's wait to talk total spoilery for a little while. Sure. Just get some other things out of the way first. So at that moment, I was like, hell yeah, right on. Werewolves, this is great. And it felt very throwback to like, mm-hmm. an, like this feels like an 80s movie or it could have been out of the 80s. And speaking of werewolf scenes, man, that I, I love my little, like when you get that little badass action scene, like when he rolls up on, when it turns out to be his daughter that's in trouble, but he rolls yeah. up and he just jumps out with the shotgun and just starts letting loose at the werewolf. I was like, that's awesome. That is uh, exactly what you need. Cause so often in monster movies, uh, the cliche is like, you know, the cop pulls up and is like in disbelief and hesitates mm-hmm. and they get, you know, or is just like, Oh, I don't believe what I'm seeing. And there's some unrealistic hesitation. Like, no, he just springs into action and starts shooting at it. Cause that's what you would do if you had a gun and you're like, Oh, there's a monster. Just, unload because <laughs> that's what makes mm-hmm. sense right now so i appreciated that have you seen thunder road his other movie no but i've heard great things about it so i really want to visit that 
Yeah, it has better reviews than this. This was fairly well reviewed. I think it's like roughly at like a 70% or something on like IMDb on like their meta score or whatever. But Thunder Road is rated higher. Mm -hmm. But I think he plays a very similar character, like sort of a not a bumbling cop, but sort of like a, a loud mouth, ob obnoxious cop. And that's the the critique I hear most about this movie at times is that people are very annoyed with him. Mm -hmm. And like I he drives me nuts and he's kind of a dick, but I really like I have a soft spot in my heart for him. Like I just like him as a character. I feel for him. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure part of it's that like addict recovery thing. Sure. Yeah. But also like he has a heart to him. Like he's trying and he wants things to be good and he's just like so frustrated. And like, I get that. I get that feeling. It feels yeah. very real. And he's just kind of an asshole. And that's like, God, is that real? Because <laughs> <laughs> many of us can look internally and be like, I'm just being kind of an asshole. And that's why things aren't going well. And I want them to so badly. And yeah, that that was something too in the beginning that struck me. That was one of those moments where it's a movie alcoholic that spoke to some serious truth though, uh, at least from my own experience, because I was relating to him where I'm, when, when he says, uh, when he started drinking and he's like, this must be how normal people feel like. And I was just like, oh, that's a very real thought that like mm -hmm. is part, part of my own experience. Like I remember just that idea struck me very hard and i was like yep yeah I, w I was there you know the garden variety alcoholic just it's such such a unique story to everybody but it's the same story so you know it was very very relatable and i think that is part of my soft spot too where you're like he is kind of an asshole but he's just trying to do right and sometimes you fuck up and sometimes we can't get it just right but you got to keep trying so and I love Ricky Lindholm. I feel like I've talked about her maybe when I, after I watched this movie, which I think was around Christmas time. And I just love her. I think she's so, I just love her. Like I want to know her. And she was kind of a little Clary Starling, like not quite as badass, but I still like, she has like a very strong force. And the one, the one like competent cop. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie. Um, and, and Robert I did... Forster, go ahead. Oh, you, you're saying exactly what I was going to say. That was one thing that really like struck me as sad too, was this was Robert Forster's final film role. And there's something about the fact that he played like an ailing man that then dies in the movie. And then he died after doing this movie that you're like, wow, that's like, it's really poignant. And he gives a really good performance in this. Like I love Robert Forster is just a great, he was a great character actor. Like whenever you see him pop up, you're like, well, this character is going to leave an impact because that's just kind of the personality he had that gruff, but fatherly like presence and everything he was in. So, and I love this scene. The John Marshall lead character guy is like been off drinking and he comes back to the hospital where his daughter is. And she's like, where have you been? And they don't, it's not like, overly heavy-handed it's kind of peripherally you see the empty bed but they mm -hmm. don't like pan over to it and zoom up on it like he notices and that's what we see as opposed to that very obvious like look the bed is empty and i just appreciate that that it's more like his reaction that's telling us than the showing us mm -hmm. so blatantly i just appreciate that and i really love all of the 
the, all the characters, no matter how small, are fleshed out to a point that they don't feel charactery or like we these aren't real people. Like even like at the like ski resort, like before the one woman is attacked by the werewolf and she's like having a little scene with like her work partner about like how she's going to, you know, see some guy she's dating. The girl's like, why are you dating him? Like he's the worst for you or whatever. And they're just these scenes that are just make the people feel very real to me that I don't feel in a lot of movies, a lot of horror movies or often I I seem to have issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. There's everybody feels three-dimensional and they're all extremely quirky and it's just incredibly quirky dialogue throughout this movie, but it feels very natural. And I saw a lot of reviews after the fact that I was looking at a letterboxd and people wanted to keep comparing this movie to a Coen brothers like flick. But to me, like, because I was like, the Coen brothers, though, like their use of like quirky, like they lean more into like slapstick and like a traditional kind of comedy when it's in their movies. And I'm like, this is too quirky for it doesn't remind me of them. And where I was going actually was more somebody like Jim Jarmusch, who uh, in his films, he does a similar kind of thing where he does have a lot of movies that deal with like, uh, you know, extreme violence and uh, dark subject matter, but they're filled with these bizarre, quirky characters. He did that flick, uh, The Dead Don't Die, from a couple years back, that uh, mm-hmm. very weird zombie movie. Uh, but like something more akin to his style is kind of what this movie reminded me of. Yeah, I dig that. I, I like this blend of horror and comedy. All right, so let's talk spoilers now. So if you haven't yes. seen this and you want to, just Get the fuck out, okay? Yeah, go watch it and come back. So, watching it the second time, I still didn't understand how we got to the guy we did. Like, I was like, wait, we've seen this guy before? (laughs) Like, and this is the second time I watched it knowing it. But he pops up like three or four times throughout the movie. They deal with him. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought, too. It's the house that they rented in the beginning. It's his house. He's the yes. one in the truck. Okay. Yep. That's what I, I thought. I didn't put that together. I was like, I thought that was that guy. And he says a bunch of shit too. Cause I like, I thought somewhere in the movie, he said something about his wife. And then at yes. the end when they're talking, he's like, I don't have a wife. So I was like, Oop, that's shady as hell. As soon as he got to the house. So it's like, okay. Okay. That's he he's sitting there realizing everything this guy is saying is bullshit. And that's and then he says he, something about his daughter. And I think that's this like nail in the coffin of like, yeah, I mean, it's a small town, but I think he's like, OK, that really sealed the deal for me. But yeah, yeah it's just weird because this is the second time. And I the first time I watched it, I was like, wait, how are we getting to a taxidermist? And who is this random guy? And why do they have evidence from him? So this time I'm watching it. But I guess I didn't completely remember what he looked like other than he was very tall. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, again, we get to the end and I'm like, wait, how are we here? <laughs> what, yeah, who and is it, he? And if it was the house that they were renting, it's like, that's why the thing, his little taxidermy, the sewing thing was there because he had just left it there because it, it was his property. Then it would be floating around and they just thought the cops dropped it because it's like a weird, you know, item, I guess. But yeah. it's one of those I like I like when a mystery movie is dense like that, but it doesn't dumb it down for you. I'm left to rewatch it and figure that out. But yeah, that twist where it's like, oh, it isn't a werewolf. It is a guy in a costume. Cool. You stupid asshole. You knew that. That was your your whole thing. You were like, I bet the twist is going to be it's not a werewolf at all. So yeah, fuck I, don't, you. I don't know why, <laughs> but that's what I felt. I just really felt like this is going to be a movie that's more 
mystery cop stuff and they threw me for a loop i was like oh it is a real werewolf movie and then at the ending it's like oh it's right all along from the get-go it's a scooby-doo situation totally yeah but i love that i love that and the ending too was totally i read a review on letterboxd where they were like the ending is very silence of the lambs like the end of silence of the lambs where she ends mm-hmm. up in the serial killer's the person she's looking for is house by mistake, you know, by yeah. happenstance and doesn't even realize yeah. it. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. He had to have been referencing Thomas. Because the same thing I think happens in the uh, Manhunter, the first movie version of Red Dragon as well, where it's like okay. happenstance that they catch the killer. I think, I don't remember that one as well. But yeah, they had to be referencing the Lecter <laughs> flicks with that. Had to Yeah, be. that's exactly what it felt like to me. And I actually really love the ending ending, like that mm. last sequence when the daughter's in college. Like it, I don't remember if it did the first time, but this time it definitely like choked me up. Like there was just something about it that moved me. Like I, I think that the detective Julia gal that Ricky, like that sweet relationship with her and the girl. Mm-hmm. And also like earlier, I wrote a note to myself where I'm like, this girl's mom would not let her stay with her dad after that attack. But then you get to the end and the mom doesn't even show up to like take her to college. So it's very yeah. possible that she's just a shitty fucked mom. up and a shitty mom. Yeah. And then also, I don't remember it sort of clicking with me that the dad left her his gun. Mm-hmm. Which like, because she pulls out the condoms, but then she gets that look on her face. And I feel the first time it just sort of went over my head. And this time I was like, oh, for sure. He left her his gun. I immediately thought like, oh, he left a gun in there. Like she's misunderstanding. But then she pulled out the condoms and then she gets that look on her face. Yeah. And then I was like, ah, there it is. That's actually what's in there. That it chooses to actually end on the moment of like him leaving. He kind of plays with his belt, which also solidified to me that he'd gotten rid of his gun, that he left it there. But then that they the sort of last moment is him hearing those guys talking about like, yeah, there's fresh meat on campus. And he pauses, like he bristles Mm -hmm. and then like he moves on and then we're done. I just thought that was such an interesting way to end it. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a play on like, like all men are wolves or rather that there's wolves out there since they talk about them, like meat, like I'm going to go like Mm -hmm. eat them. I don't know. I just, I, it, I just thought the end was very clever and very sweet. Like I just appreciated mm-hmm. how it all wrapped up so much. And I was kind of reading that last scene too, as sort of, he stops for a minute. Cause I was like, is he going to turn around and confront those guys? Because for a second, right. I thought that was, might be what happens, but then he continues on his way. And I think it's him letting go that his mm-hmm. daughter is going to take care of herself or he's going to, you know, have some faith that she'll be able to, fight her own battles you know take care of herself out there so um Mm -hmm. especially now that she's got a gun she can just shoot those guys (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) and i love that it was so satisfying that when they get the serial killer he's down on the ground and he just shoots him to death right there i was like that was so satisfying because that guy earlier the big beefy guy who i love so much the guy from whose girlfriend gets killed in the beginning is like sheriff or not sheriff, whatever he is detective. He's like, if you find that guy, just fucking kill him for me. Would you? Yeah. And then he just, just shoots him in the head over and over. I love it. And he does it. And you're like, yep, this is a moment where that's incredibly satisfying. Cause that guy is the killer. Like we know it just blow him away. And he does without hesitating. You're like, that's awesome. That big beefy guy from the beginning is on a new show called home economics that like, Topher Grace is on. I don't remember oh. what station. 
okay, I just saw a commercial for that. And I was like, Topher's oh, it's so back. good. Yeah, Topher's we watched back. just a couple episodes, but it's it's a delightful TV show. And he has my birthday. I mean, he's a lot younger than me, but we both have our birthday. It's February 16th. So. Birthday twins. Birthday twins. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot the second time. And I just kept wondering how you were going to feel because it felt like the comedy is sort of in line with what you enjoy. Mm -hmm. But then I just wasn't sure. It was just one of those things where I'm like, mm, we'll see. But you were, your was. predictions were, you said it was going to be sort of comedic, a winter resort, killings that might be a werewolf and a cop trying to figure out what's going on. Hilarity. And that, that, that twist that it wasn't going to be a werewolf at all. So, mm -hmm. Uh, once again, you nailed it. <laughs> I'm so smart. You fucking cock. <laughs> <laughs> so out of five taxidermy needles, bloody dripping taxidermy needles, how many do you give this? Four. Me too. Beep, 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 beep. Scare of approval. Uh, Double scare is, of approval. This is another one that too, like, I want to watch it again like immediately as soon as I can. So talking about it and have after seeing it, I was like, yeah, this is going to have to get worked into the regular <laughs> viewing rotation, I think. Cause. And I forgot about the Christmas elements. So I'm like, oh, it'd be a good Christmas movie. Cause th at the end you're hearing like Christmas carols and things like that. Yeah. New Year's like right at the very and end. New it's Year's, New right. Year's. Uh, yeah. So it's around the holidays, but it's like understated like enough yeah. that you're not because there are certain movies where i'm like it's set on christmas and it's so obnoxiously apparent you're like i only feel comfortable yeah. watching this around christmas or like around whatever holiday so yeah i don't know if you saw like christmas trees at all but there's just like a time or two where you hear christmas carols and then you're right when it's new year's eve there's like fireworks and you hear whatever that yeah. song is called so this is just subdued enough that i'm like mm -hmm. yeah you can watch this anytime and it's not as oh, like, yeah. weird <laughs> to be watching mm -hmm. it in like the summer yeah but yeah it was great well good times great oldies thank you for listening send us an email scaring sharing at gmail.com follow us on the insta scaring is sharing rate us write us review us do all the things and yeah, more and importantly just thanks for listening absolutely thanks for listening uh speaking of emails in the interim as well i checked out on youtube some clips of that was it Shin Common Rider that yeah. uh, uh, Mr. Ethan recommended to us? Uh, I was watching some clips of that on YouTube. Uh, mm. It's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. I found the like, I guess it shared uh, the transformation scene of the main character turning into the Common Rider in this version, and it is like straight, like it looks like a American Werewolf in London like transformation where he turns oh. into a big bug monster and starts fighting guys, and it's like okay, is it like Tetsuo. Uh, not as amateurish looking as Tetsuo looked like this looks like it's got, it's pretty like cheesy eighties looking kind of effects I guess Shin Kamen Riders from like the early nineties. So okay. yeah, it's, it's a little bit dated looking, but kind of cool. So at least watch that transformation scene. I thought it was pretty neat. Um, well, did, did you ever see the movie, the beast within? No, I think they talk about it on, uh, in search of darkness, but I've not seen it. It's got a pretty, like, I wouldn't say pretty famous, but like for horror nerds, it's a renowned transformation scene. And that's what 
the common writer movie reminds me. Doesn't he of. blow up? Like, yeah, he's he pumping the bladders, like, and yeah, then they yeah, were like, like "Let's keep going until it explodes." Yeah, his head's like, and then he's a monster. But yeah, it's kind of similar to that, like bulgy, transforming head. I thought it was cool. So, okay, if you, at the very least, look up Shin Common Rider, and you'll probably find the transformation scene. I thought it was kind of neat. Will do. So, thanks for the recommendation, Ethan. Yeah, Ethan, you rock. Write us again, please, and. Keep coming back. We appreciate you. Yeah, we love it. Keep uh, listening to us talk about vampires and werewolves and zombies. Oh, my. That's right. Have we ever actually covered a zombie movie? I'm not even sure now that I said that. One cut of the dead ish. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I was I was trying to think. Have we done a legit zombie movie? I think, I that's, think that's the only one. I think that's so. the only one. I might have to rectify that. I've got I've not seen Day of the Dead, so. Yeah, that, and that's a big one. That's like a yeah. milestone. It is. So, oh, all right. Well, well hell, pay on. <laughs> Long live the new flesh, uh, and keep sharing the scares. Because scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.